Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. Fillers and anti-wrinkle injections are all the rage these days. They offer a quick way to plump up your lips or smooth out the wrinkles. But while these injectables are affordable and can have an incredible effect if well done, how much do you really know about them and are they safe? This episode, we're joined by special guest Dr. Lisa Freeman from Replastic Surgery, who is an expert in facial rejuvenation. So welcome to this special episode, Lisa and Kim. Thank you. Hi, Alex. Lisa, you're obviously our special guest. We're going to be talking about fillers and injectables. How popular are these? That seems like they're getting more and more popular every day. Yeah, I feel like it's more and more popular every day, especially for the younger generation, or it's less hidden, I suppose, for the younger generation. So older people might have it done, but they're less likely to tell their friends about it. They might keep it hidden from their husbands or whoever, but the younger generation, they'll come in with their girlfriend. Mm. So they'll both get it done at the same time sort of thing. I feel like, yeah, it's become a bit more of the norm for them compared to my generation, I guess. Mm. All right, but tell us, tell us a little bit about what fillers are okay. and what they do. So fillers, we only use non-permanent fillers in our practice and they're mainly the hyaluronic acid type fillers that people will generally say dermal fillers sort of thing. Um, so they basically fill outer space, whether that's – they come as like – thin, thick, so depending on what area you're having it done, it will depend what filler you use. But in general, they're there to reinflate what you once had. Mm. And so obviously there are there are brands that everyone knows that we're not allowed to mention, yes. but um, it begins with B and rhymes with Otox, so people will know what we're talking about. But is a filler um, and an anti-wrinkle injection the same or no. different? No, mm. no. So fillers, as I said, sort of fill in a space and anti-wrinkle are the B ending in X thing. Yep. They stop the muscle from moving for a while. So basically by doing that, it might look like it's got rid of the wrinkle, but it's just because you're not using your muscles for that period of time that it sort of just smooths out. Mm. And they can be used um, in combination and together. So just because you had one or having one doesn't mean you can't have the other. So um, someone that's got loss of volume, for example, can have the filler to fill out the space, um, but it can also have the anti-wrinkle to decrease the wrinkles or the the divots that can then lead to um, needing to have fillers a bit more. Yeah, so sometimes they're good in combination and then there's other areas that are really just just really for filler and other areas that are just for 
the anti-wrinkle. Mm. So when someone comes in and they say, you know, I really like the lips on Married at First Sight, <laughs> <laughs> what is your response, I guess? Do, do you go bigger is better or is no, it subtle? Yeah. No, Everyone has their ideal of what they like the look of, but then you also have to look at the patient's face and what, and well, I guess what their lips are now and what, what suits their overall face. So... Big lips maybe look good on some people, but, um, you know, not on everyone. So, so yeah, it's very individual. And do you have to keep, once you kind of get them, do you have to keep, can you go back to normal afterwards or do yeah. you have to be careful? No, you, you, know? don't, you don't have to get it So it's not redone. a stretch and then you're in a bad position? No. And I always say to patients of mine that are... Often they'll sort of bring it up with me about, oh, you guys do injectables here as well. And, you know, I've thought about that for a while. And if their surgical patients have been coming in for a while and they sort of see the um, the information we have around the practice or they've followed our social media. And I always say, like, you know, Lisa's a great person to see to have your, your first treatment for something like that because she's sensible and she's subtle and she, you're not going to walk out the door if you're having something for the first time ever looking like those absolute ridiculous people that you see on TV and it's much more of a sensible approach to start with a small amount and you can always add to that then be like no I want you know I want to go above and beyond and then be like well okay well that's not really what I was after mm. so it's much better to to be subtle and as Lisa said enhance the what a patient's already started with so you can't completely change someone's appearance so you've got to work with what you know what they start with mm. yeah Lips is obviously the the one that everyone kind of focuses on, but you can use them in other areas of your face, can't you? Lots of different areas, so everywhere. So forehead, <laughs> brow, um, under your eye, you know, tear trough, cheeks, nose, lips, chin, jawline. Well, I have noticed on Instagram there seems to be a lot of chat at the moment about kind of creating a, a cheek bone. That's sort of been around for a while, I would say, so... Um, yeah, so the definition, they would sort of want to define their cheekbones more. So that's that's sort of been around for a while. I guess the jawline maybe is is a bit more in vogue, I guess, that, you know, that's the, the latest thing is people, you know, wanting to have their jawline. You don't really want to have a big jawline because on a woman it's actually masculinising, but you, you might want to just... With age, you know, you, you get these, the jowls happening. So you, it's more that you want to camouflage them and you want to, there to be a straight line, but you don't actually want it to be bigger. So it's sort of um, the way you inject it. So you're injecting sort of more under rather than next to. With mm. a male, you want to do it really next to in a way because um, you do want to square their jaw, but a female, you don't really, you want them to be feminine. Much you more don't, subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kim's obviously highlighted that you guys do take the subtle approach. You're all about safety and health. Unfortunately, there is a lot of practitioners out there that are not the case. What are some of the dangers of using injectables in the wrong way? Okay, well, I guess we sort of we touched on the more is not always great. Like, so bigger is not always better sort of thing with lips. So just doing the right thing for that patient. 
um, is one of the things. So that's not going to cause any major medical problem, but it just won't be a good look. Um, and then medically, I guess there's you could possibly put filler into a vessel and the worst thing is sort of especially in the sort of nose and this we call the glabella sort of area sort of this part of the face is really so oh, you can't the see brow, that yeah. kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um you know thought of as the highest danger area but there's not really a definitely safe area so if you if you get into a vessel you can cause the area above to not have its blood supply and so the skin becomes dead necrotic tissue and the worst one that I think there's maybe only been one case in Australia is um, blindness so Mm. if it gets into a vessel and that vessel then connects to another vessel that supplies the eye. Um, In that case was that in Queensland? Uh, I think it was New South Wales, but mm. I could be wrong. Mm. It wasn't Victoria, I remember that. Was that an issue of an untrained practitioner? or Well, is that an issue or is, is there always an element of risk to I think there's always an element of risk. Mm. That's just most procedures, there's there's going to be some element of risk and, and the patient needs to be aware of that. But the risk is, in general, very, very low. And so, yeah, so, so there is some risk, but... It's also the way you do it. So so to decrease that risk, in other words. So you could do, I guess, everything right and maybe not have a great outcome, but I, I don't know. I would say that the risk decreases if you do all these things. So if you only inject small amounts, um, not h- under high pressure, you know, know your anatomy, use in certain areas, cannula might be preferable to needle. So there's a few different things that you can decrease your risk but you can't eliminate a risk because you can't you know you don't have x-ray vision and you can't see everything but yeah Mm. is there a case that some practitioners are possibly using types of injectables which are not advised um i would think most people would be using a hyaluronic acid and and there are a few different brands of that and then there's also some other temporary type fillers that people are using and I think in the past people used silicon which was a bit of a problem but as far as I know well within Australia I don't think people would be using that Mm. but yeah that can cause some issues. Yeah, it would only be in, in very, very unregulated or in like super dodgy clinics where they're potentially buying things in from overseas that are not going to be registered in Australia. And, you know, really you should be making sure that you're actually seeing someone that's um, a proper practitioner for doing this. And I'm not sure if we actually see the start, but Lisa is a, she's a, a doctor, a trained doctor. And so she does all the injectables herself mm. and uh, so has a lot more experience in terms of knowledge and anatomy and, and those type of things. And just touching on the, the silicon, that, so probably quite some time ago, I think, was when that was last done. And obviously, we've never done that in our practice, but I've seen a bunch of patients who've come in for surgery wanting silicon removed from tissues. And it is like I, I've tried to operate on some lips before to remove some silicon that's been injected there. And that is, you can't. There's, mm. it is no fun. Um, and the good thing about the hyaluronic Are these the permanent fillers yeah, that you so were kind silicon of referring to yeah. just like you know liquid silicon that was used there was one practitioner who's been deregistered in Melbourne now that was used to use a lot of that in the face and so you know a lot of patients that have been deformed by that over time mm. and the other thing about the hyaluronic 
acid that Lisa uses in all the products is that there's actually an antidote, like there's a reversal. So there's a product that can be injected in which dissolves it. Okay. So if there is a risk that the skin looks like it's compromised, then that can be injected straight in to, to essentially make that go away. Or if you've got an outcome that is poor, um, then it, which is you know very uncommon, but mm. then it can be injected in to dissolve that away and essentially start from scratch again. Yeah, so makes things sort of less risky, I guess, in mm. a way. Yeah. Are there any misconceptions about injectables that you kind of hear a lot? Or do you think most people are pretty well informed before they come in? Most people, well, a lot of people don't really know the difference between anti-wrinkle and dermal filler. Um, a lot of people just want stuff done. They don't really know <laughs> what. <laughs> and that's why they come and see the expert. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then I guess we sort of touched on before about, say, certain areas. So, say the lips. If you come in and you've got no lip, mm. you don't walk out with a huge lip. It just, it's not actually possible from from one, you know, lot of injecting. So, mm. I guess it's a bit of an education sort of needs to happen as well. Is it something that can be achieved over time? Your lips can, yeah. So there is, even though the filler is only temporary, over time you can build it up. So, But you're still not going to have huge lips if mm. you had no lip. But, yes, you can definitely, the first time it's not going to be that much bigger but then the second time sort of you know you can build on that Mm -hmm. and this may seem like a weird question but I've never had an injectable before but what does it change that (laughs) (laughs) what does it feel like so the anti-wrinkle injections they don't have any local anesthetic in them so you feel it but it's sort of it's a few seconds of yes like stab and a little bit uncomfortable in some areas sometimes you don't feel it at all and in some other areas it's like oh you know that actually hurts Mm. a little bit but as soon as it's stopped it, it, there's no pain no. yeah so it's very short-lived and it's not it's not terrible pain it's just like I don't know like a bit stingy maybe and and then it's over so and then afterwards you can't really notice n- it at all no no the mm. fact that no. and people keep coming back every three months means it's not not yeah. that bad <laughs> yeah. not that childbirth well that was going to be my, my next question is how often should people get it done if they want to so anti-wrinkle injections are generally we say every four months but everyone has you know gets rid of it sooner later but in general about four months but yeah so some people might be every three months and then other people might be every six months mm. also it depends a little bit about um, the area that you're having done so or and also the dose that you've had. So, yeah. Hmm. But about every four months generally. And filler, Lisa, they oh, yeah. last quite a bit longer, don't they, in yeah. some areas? Yeah. So filler, um, the question that you asked before, because we didn't talk about filler, oh, how painful is it? So filler has local anaesthetic in it. Sometimes I'll have patients and they'll, they would have had anti-wrinkle before and then I do the filler and they go, oh, that was less than you know, than the anti-wrinkle because there's actually local in it. Um, It depends a little bit about which area you're doing. Again, some areas are more painful than other areas, but it's it's really not too too bad at all. Mm. Um, And then the other, the second question was... How often? Okay, so fillers, it's it depends again what area, what type of filler. Thinner fillers tend to last not as long as 
thicker fillers, but like lips might be more like six to nine months and the rest of the areas might be more like nine to over to 12 months plus. Hmm. I, I think, you know, tear trough, like for oh, me, could like be two probably, years, yeah. yeah, well over two years, I'd, I'd say for that. So yeah. just, it depends yeah, on the areas area. that don't move as much, the, the yeah. product doesn't disappear quite so quickly so that's I think that's the reason isn't yeah. it and it's also how deep it is so tear troughs you're going deep and it's an area that doesn't move a lot so it lasts longer the same as the nose mm. you know it lasts it lasts longer but if you're doing stuff in lips or around sort of this very mobile area it's probably not going to last as long and often you have to use a thinner filler in that area as well that doesn't last as long as thicker fillers okay yeah well i think that answers the majority of the questions that i had as an uninformed person on this subject but is there anything that i've missed that you reckon people there really was just should know? um one other indication i was going to say in terms of anti-wrinkle injection so whilst we call it anti-wrinkle can be used <laughs> not just for anti-wrinkle and um from personal experience as well that I used to suffer quite significantly from headaches all the time and mm. whilst the benefits of having a smoother forehead like absolutely when I've had the injections that I definitely have less tension type headaches mm. um, and the other really common area that Lisa does quite a lot of as well is into um, masseters so those are your clenching your do- jaw muscles that a lot of people have tension and stress in those grind their teeth and so it's it's a reasonably common area to have injections in that helps stop with the grinding of the teeth but can also transform the shape of someone's face so where those muscles are huge and sometimes someone has a quite a square face it can narrow in that so it really has a a medical benefit as Mm. well as some contouring as well i guess yeah everyone assumes that it's just aesthetic Mm. um yeah, but it, it really does. I, I mean, I'll have patients that, you know, they, they frown and they, they, you know, they don't like their forehead lines and whatever, but they say, I know when I need to have my Botox again because I start getting my headaches. Yeah. So it actually does relieve a lot of headaches. And also for the masseters, often, you know, people will wake up in the morning with a headache from clenching so much overnight. Mm. Um, so they're really symptomatic and they go to the dentist and the dentist says they've been grinding as well. So clenching and grinding are not fun. So it it does work really well for that. Um, Oh, and there was one other area, I guess, is hyperhidrosis. So sweating, you know, excess sweating under the arms in particular, um, that's another use for it. Okay, great. Well, I think that sums it up. In terms of people that are thinking about getting it done and um, want to learn a little bit more, what would you recommend would be their, their first port of call in terms of research? They've probably already heard about it, spoken to friends, looked online. They're all, I guess, the first things that people naturally do. And then I guess it's just coming in and having a consultation and and finding out more that way. Great. Fabulous. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for joining us, Lisa. That was very informative. And Kim, thank you for your help again. Thanks, Alex. My pleasure. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media.